folks, just a reminder, you can find this same podcast episode on YouTube. You want to get over there at some point and look at the uh, maps that are included with this particular episode. Also, if you get over there on YouTube, click on the link. If you're interested in buying a copy of my book, find a copy of the documentary, go to the Facebook book page. Folks, it's JR. Back for another episode of Echoes of Shannon Street, Case File. It's going to be episode seven, Chaos Reigns. I thought we would do another little blurb from uh, the documentary, Shannon Street, Echoes Under a Blood Red Moon. This will be Walter Bailey talking, very well-known figure in the Memphis area for a long time. Huge failure on the part of the police uh, command structure and the officers themselves to um, understand uh, black culture. And of course, they just took a hardline attitude in terms of law enforcement then. That all, in my judgment, contributed to the Shannon Street most unfortunate event where people lost their lives. Okay, folks, we're going to continue with the officer statements. This is going to be a troll officer, Hanscom and uh, Norton. We'll be hearing from them on this episode. It's just to help try to keep the timeline straight. Now, Swill, Officer Swill is still in the house. He hasn't escaped for the time period when these two officers are, are arriving on the scene. It will be shortly after this, though, that Swill would actually escape from the house. And it would probably be right in about the time that Aiken went in the back, or Aiken may have went in maybe just a little past when Hanscom and Norton are involved in their shootout. What you see here is the overview of a map showing where Stephanie Hanscom was located when the call for help first went out, which was, she was at Whitney and Overton Crossing. You can see on this map here, the got the I-40 North Leg, Hollywood, McLean, Watkins, Warford. You see 2239 Shannon and then Chelsea down below it. Just to give you an idea of where she's at and where she's coming from to get to this scene. Patrolman Hanscom, what was, what are your present duty assignments with the Memphis Police Department? North Precinct 4 to 12. Were you on duty Tuesday, January 11, 1983? Yes. What car were you assigned to? 156. Did you have a partner? No. Approximately what time did you receive a call or make a call to the Shannon address? Approximately 2110 hours. Information came over the radio from car 128. That he needed a, it says a call, it should be needed a car to pull over to his location on Shannon. My location on Whitney and Overton Crossing, and I proceeded to pull down to the area of Shannon. 
While you were en route, did you receive any other transmission from car 128? When I got to the location of Whitney and Range Line, car 128, Officer Swill, yelled on the radio for the cars to expedite to the scene. How did you approach the scene? After this information, I put my siren on and proceeded on range line. When I got to Hollywood and James, information on the radio from car 128 that an officer was down. I continued on Hollywood at a fast rate of speed until I reached Heard. I went west on Heard, which took me to the scene on Shannon. When you arrived on the scene, how many cars were already on the scene? Approximately four squad cars that I could see. I grabbed it as I got out of the car, referring to her shotgun, slammed my car door. As I ran towards the house, I could hear shots being fired. I jacked my shotgun and proceeded to position behind a van parked in the driveway in northeast corner. At that time, I saw Officer Vidlage behind the oak tree in front of the residence. Officer Turner, Officer Watson was coming to my position. Officer Turner at this time was bleeding from the head. Officer Downing was behind a squad car parked in front of the residence. I know there was some others in the back, but I don't know who they were. State in detail everything that you did when you arrived on the scene and got behind the van. I was in a kneeling position at the corner of the van facing the front of the residence. Officer Turner was in a prone position at my right side, as I stated before he was injured. In that position, I heard several shots. In the confusion, I cannot give an exact count because there were also shots being fired from the rear of the house also. I could see some type of movement in the front of the house, which I believe to be the living room area. At this time, I fired one round from my shotgun into the residence. Officer Turner told me at this time, told my fire because Officer Swill was still inside along with four or five other suspects. After he told me that, within a matter of seconds, Officer Swill came out of the house through the front door. At this time, he was staggering and I could see the blood running down his face. At this time, Officer Village yelled to me to hold my fire that Officer Hester was in the house. At this time, from somewhere near the rear of the house, we could hear several more shots. There was a lot of confusion, screaming and hollering, but I couldn't make out exactly at that time what was being said. As I waited in my position, I could see movement in a darkened window believed to be the bedroom. I could see the silhouette of one of the suspects looking out. There were, there was more shots fired within the house. I would see at least, I would, it says see, it's supposed to have been, I would say at least four shots. At this time, it became silent. At this time, I could hear Officer Hester yelling for help. At one point, I could make out the words, come get me, and then at one point, whether it was Officer Hester or another officer in the rear of the house, they yelled, hold your fire. This time the suspect now, I know was Sanders, got on the radio and was screaming for us to get away from the house. We could hear through his conversation, Officer Hester yelling as if he was in pain. The suspect told the dispatcher, if you don't want the motherfucking pig to die, we were to get away from the house. He also asked for WLOK to be contacted and for the disc jockey Morgan 
to get on the radio, apparently to communicate his ideas of what was going on at the time. Dispatcher continued to try to communicate with him and told him they were trying to contact WLOK and trying to meet his demands. The dispatcher continued to ask how the officer was, and at this time he said, if you want to hear, and then there was some type of static at this point, and I heard him say, I will shove something up the motherfucker's ass if you don't get Mr. Morgan. Then there was, he continued to rave about what was going down and what we would see before it was all over with. He said so much, but at one point again, I heard Officer Hester screaming as he keyed the mic. Then very few seconds after that, I could hear Officer Hester yell, come get me, come get me. And at this time, it remained a conversation between the dispatcher and the suspect, Sanders. The conversation continued with Sanders demanding that we move the squad cars from the residence. At this time, Officer Watson took my position. There was a black and white squad car parked in front of the residence, and I crawled my way to it, went in through the passenger side, shut the driver's door, and took the squad car down the street and parked it. I came back up as Officer Vidlage covered me. I went back to the position of the van where Officer Watson was and waited until the TAC officers took over. What portion of the house did your shots hit? Right of the door, up high above the windows. Did any of the other officers that were in front of the house while you were there fire their weapons into the house? No. Did anyone from inside the house after you arrived fire towards your position at the front of the house from inside the house? I don't know. What injuries did you see to Officer Turner? Officer Turner had an injury at the top of his head. Did Officer Swill have any injuries? From my position, I could see Officer Swill. He had blood streaming down his face, but unknown exactly where the wound was. Did you ever see Patrolman Hester inside the house? No. How many suspects did you see inside the house? I saw at least one to two silhouettes. Would you be able to identify anyone that you saw? No. Did you ever see anyone else besides yourself fire a weapon? No. Were you injured in any way? No. Is there anything else you can add to this statement? No. All right, before we uh, talk about this overview of Officer Norton's route to Shannon Street, I want to just briefly mention something about uh, Officer Hanscom's discharging around uh, at the house. If I'd have been security squad back then, or let me say this in another way, I, I would have charged her departmentally for discharging her firearm towards that house, a house that had police officers in it and suspects in it, and you don't know who else is in the house, to crank off around towards an occupied house and you don't know who's who, that's, that's not very good. So that would be a charging offense, not a criminal charge, but a departmental charge. Probably give her a few days off would probably be what she would get, but uh, she was not charged over her firing that round, but that, that's just my two cents. All right, let's get to the overview and I'll quit belly aching. All right, Norton's 
going to tell you in his statement his location when he responded was Bellevue and Chelsea, same location that Officer Turner was at when he made the call. Just Norton was several seconds behind uh, Tommy Turner, but he went eastbound on Chelsea, northbound Hyde Park, and then back eastbound on Shannon, and he pulled up in front of the house. But let's go on. Let's go to his statement now. We'll get it straight from him. Mr. Norton, how long have you been a reserve police officer? I graduated in May of 1981. What are your requirements as to how often you have to work in a given period of time as a reserve officer? I'm required to work a minimum of 24 hours a month or three shifts that would be equivalent of 24 hours. What precinct are you assigned to? North. How long have you been assigned to North Precinct since my commission? During your regular tour of duty, is there any particular section of the city that you are assigned to? No, it's just where they need me. On January 11, 1983, were you working a tour of duty out of the North Precinct? Yes, I did work 4 to 12 midnight on this particular date. What was your assignment on this date? Car 142. Is this a one-man or a two-man car? A one-man. Did you have an occasion to answer a call to 2239 Shannon during this tour of duty? I was not dispatched when a call for help went out. I, along with other cars, put myself on the call. I advised the dispatcher that I would pull down. What was your location at the time this call came out? I was with Officer Turner in car 169 at the intersection of Bellevue and Chelsea. Did Officer Turner also respond to this call? Yes. Approximately how long did it take you to reach the scene from your location? approximately 90 seconds to two minutes. Let me mention something real quick before we go to page two of Norton's statement. I don't know if the, it was intentional or not, but the, the first question, they were, security squad referred to Officer Norton as Mr. Norton. And I don't know if you caught it from the statement, but Norton is a reserve officer, so he has to put in his 24 hours a month but now he's fully certified to be a police officer. He's met all the requirements of post for the state of Tennessee. So he puts on a blue uniform, does his 24 hours, and then, you know, he works a regular job to boot. But considering how well he did on this scene being a reserve officer, because Norton is the one that got out in the front yard and traded shots with Lindbergh Sanders while Sanders was standing in the front door and Norton got a hit. One of his rounds struck Lindbergh Sanders in the left arm. So Norton did his job. So I don't know if, like I say, maybe it was, uh, maybe that the officer didn't mean to do it or maybe he, maybe he did. I don't know, but I didn't like it when I read the statement. I, I think Officer Norton's deserved that rank considering what he went through and what he did and the time he's put in to be a reserve. That doesn't make him any less of an officer. So I'm sorry I'm being really petty tonight, but I just I just don't like when you do that to an officer that especially that did the job that he did. But anyways, let's go on. We'll go to page two of Officer Norton's statement. 
Explain in your own words what you observed, what actions you took after arriving on the scene at 2239 Shannon. At approximately 9 p.m. after meeting with Officer Turner at Bellevue in Chelsea, I heard a call for assistance over the radio for a backup in the 2200 block of Shannon. Officer Turner was the first to put himself on the call and I followed Officer Turner, advising the ditch dispatcher I too was on the call. Before arriving on the scene, I heard an officer screaming for help on the radio. After arriving on the scene, I ran to the house on the front porch where several shots were then fired. I observed a male black squat in the threshold of the door, front door. He appeared to be shooting a handgun. As I saw the flash and heard the noise of the shot in my direction and in the direction of other officers, I pulled my service revolver, returning fire, firing four shots. I then seeked cover of an automobile parked in front of the location. I heard several more shots from inside the house. I saw an officer run from the house holding his head. Other unknown officers assisted this officer to cover. I then saw Officer Swill run from the house. Myself and I believe it to be Officer Downing assisted this officer, Officer Swill, to cover of a park patrol car. Officer Swill was bleeding from the face, asking myself, and Officer Downing where he was hit. Advising myself and Officer Downing, they still have Bobby repeating, where am I hit? Officer Downing advised Officer Swill appeared to be hit in the face and the hand. I heard one single shot that appeared to be fired from the rear of the house. An unknown officer assisted Officer Swill to a patrol car. I then radioed for an ambulance to be hurried to the scene. I was not aware that Officer Swill was being transported by that unknown officer to the hospital. I maintained my position of cover until what time officers on the west side of the scene were advised to pull back. I then moved my car to the west parking lot of Shannon Elementary School. I observed Officer Vidlis to be behind a tree in front of the house with no other cover other than a tree. The use of hand signals and word of mouth, and I asked Officer Village if he would like me to cover him so he could seek better cover. At this time, Officer Village motioned he was all right and he did not want to move. The dispatcher advised the officer that was on the scene to switch to car to car and stand by. After hearing a TAC officer Taking position on top of the roof at my location, I advised the dispatcher that I would clear my location for further assignment. I was advised by the dispatcher to relieve a whiskey unit at the corner of Boxwood and Stovall. I relieved this officer until what time I was relieved by an Alpha shift car. Were there other officers on the scene on the outside of the house when you first arrived? Yes. And let's talk about, uh, he mentions they sent him to go relieve a whiskey car. A whiskey car is a DUI car, is what that is. But yeah, on the radio terminology, you would hear him call, you might hear an officer say, uh, I need a whiskey car to my location. That's all it is. It's just the DUI car. It, it is not a car that is carrying bottles of whiskey for officers to drink, even though I'm sure a lot of police officers would probably vote for that. But anyways, just to let you know what that was. And so let's, uh, we'll go on and jump to page three of uh, Officer Norton's statement. I think he's given a really good statement, by the way.
Could you tell how many officers were already on the scene and what their positions were on your arrival? I saw one or two in the doorway, front door, from the outside trying to enter. I think, but I'm not sure, that Officer Swill and Turner were at the front door trying to enter. I believe Swill and Turner both got in. That was after shots were fired that they got in. The door was open. There were several male blacks standing at the door. I observed the male black just squatting the threshold of the door. This time I thought he was hit from the gunfire. The male black had his arm extended. I heard and saw simultaneously what sounded like a gunshot and the flash of the muzzle. I pulled my service revolver. I fired four shots at this male black. What direction was this male black facing while he was squatting in the doorway? Towards the street. Did you see a gun in his hand? No, it was too dark to see the gun, but I saw the muzzle flash from his arm that was extended indicating he was firing a gun. Could you tell if this male black was firing at anyone in particular? He appeared to be firing in the direction of other backup officers running to the house from the front of the street. Do you recall how many shots were fired by this male black? No, I know at least one. Did you get a good enough look at the male black for any type of physical or clothing description? No. Approximately how far away was this male black when you returned fire? Approximately six to ten feet. Do you recall if any of the other officers on the outside fired at the male black at this time? It is unknown if they were firing at the male black. I heard shots from behind me. After you fired at the male black suspect in the door and you took cover behind the car in the street in front of the house, what did you observe when you looked back towards the house? I observed officers fleeing from the porch and the ornamental iron door to be closed. Do you know who the officer was that came out of the front door holding his head? that time I didn't. He was already off the scene before I found out who it was. From your observation point of the front porch, could you see how many people were in the front room of the house? I can't give you a head count on the scene totally. There appeared to be eight to ten people, male blacks, on the scene. It seemed to me like there were about four male blacks outside the house on the front porch as I arrived on the scene. What did these male blacks do as you approached the scene? I think they went back inside after the shots were fired. Did you or any other officers on the scene ever have any tight confrontation with the male black standing at the front door of the house? No, I didn't get a chance to. I didn't observe any other officers doing it. Do you think that you hit the male black suspect that you fired at? No, I don't. I thought I'd hit him. I would have seen him on the porch. Is there anything else you'd like to add to this statement at this time? Yes, after the incident, knowing what I had done, I realized I should have contacted a commanding officer or a member of the shoot team of my actions. Being very upset, nervous, as well as scared, I neglected to do this. After regaining my thoughts and composure, I contacted Mr. Green, an investigator with violent crimes, as I knew not who else to contact. I advised him of my situation, and he advised I needed to see the security squad. I then went to the North Precinct to advise my commanding officers of my actions. 
He too instructed me to contact the security squad. In addition to your original statement, I will ask you, have you ever made a call to 2239 Shannon prior to this incident? Not to my knowledge. Have you ever received any information from anyone regarding any type of religious sect at this location? No, not from my police duties. However, after this incident happened, I was asked by one of the crew members, a male black, George Allen, approximately 62 years old, about where did this happen. Having previous knowledge of his kinfolk living within four doors, I advised Mr. Allen that it was the house and front of the southwest corner of Shannon School, the house with the big oak tree in the front. He then stated, yeah, I know where it's at. It's where those dope heads live. That's all he said about it. Is George Allen also a city employee? Yes, he's employed as a maintenance helper under my supervision for the city of Memphis. He can be reached through my office. Okay, folks, that's gonna wrap it up for this episode here. You can tell by some of the Statements, there is a lot of confusion on this scene, a lot going on all at the same time. I thought Norton did a really good job considering he's a reserve officer. He, I thought he gave an excellent statement and I thought he did very well under fire. So uh, far better than some of the full-time officers did. So anyways, I hope y'all have been enjoyed this episode as we continue to claw our way through this large case file we will get together in a few days and we've got a few more statements to go of patrol officers and then we're probably going to go right into the negotiations and i don't know how much of that we're going to do there is just absolutely reams and reams of paper. I've got notebooks just full of negotiation stuff, but we'll play that by ear. So I, if, I, if I can take it, you can take it. So I guess we'll see. Anyways, folks, I do appreciate y'all listening in. And we will see you down the road.